Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, is Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. How's it going today, my man? It's pretty good, dude. Hey, we watched uh, Good Morning Vietnam last night. We sure night. did. My first time seeing the movie. I can't believe it. Yeah, I could, we, uh, you know, we had that debate about like the best performance by an actor ever in a movie, and I give him my the person who I thought it was. And then the uh, yesterday morning I was thinking, I was like, well, what about some Robin Williams movies? And I brought that up to you and you're like, Hey, you're coming over to my house tonight. Why don't we watch good we'll morning? Just Vietnam? Watch it. Yeah. I've never seen it before. It was good. Yeah. I liked it. Especially when you find out that almost like every single radio thing he did was ad lib. It was mm-hmm. completely made up on the spot. That's the word on the street mm-hmm. on the, uh, on the internet. Also, you know, the movie had a good message. It was all about free speech and it was all about someone being persecuted by the government for free mm-hmm. speech. So uh, if you haven't seen the movie, then go check it out. Charlie, the 30 to 60 second rundown on your interaction with the DoorDash driver last night, I think oh, would be, God. I think would be beneficial. It's yeah. worth, it is worth the personal story. Well, maybe I should quickly explain the entire DoorDash experience last night. <laughs> yes. So I, I ordered DoorDash and turns out I had the wrong address in there it was mm-hmm. for another address. So I went to cancel that order, and apparently I could only get like 10% of my order back, my money back. But I was like, well, if it gets delivered to that place, I won't be able to eat it, so we'll go ahead and take the the $10 out of the 40 it was supposed to be, and we'll order some different, we'll order door, the same thing to mm-hmm. the right address. So I went to do that, and it turns out that that store was now too busy and wasn't accepting DoorDash orders. Okay. So I said, well, that's fine. We're We're getting pizza. And so I was like, I'll just go to another one. So I did, and I ordered that, and I left the guy, uh, gave the dasher a 25% tip, plus I paid extra, and a three, I paid a $3 extra charge for a direct delivery mm. to make sure he didn't have any other houses to stop at. Yeah. But he could go, so he got a 25% tip plus an extra $3 to come directly to my house. Well, he passes by my house, and I see him fumbling about the neighborhood, on the app. So I go outside and I kind of wave him down. I'm like, Hey, you got my pizza? He's like, yeah, I got your pizza. And he goes to walk it up to me. And he says, he says to me, thank you kind sir for providing me the opportunity to make money tonight without having a normal hourly job. No, he says to me, he says, you need to tip more. And I was like, what? (laughs) He was like, yeah, you got me running all the way out here to your house and, and barely left me a tip. And I was like, I left you like 25% tip. He was like, well, that's not enough to come all the way out here. By the way, we live about 15 minutes from this restaurant. So it's, and this guy took the wrong way. I watched him on the app. He, he didn't go the right way, like a straight shot. He went down all these back roads, which you don't have to do. And it's probably really annoying to go around all mm-hmm. those corners mm-hmm. anyway. And I was like, well, I was like, I'm, I'm sorry about that, but I left you like 25%. And I was like, plus I paid the $3 or whatever. And he says to me, he was like, uh, well, I forget how it escalated. Oh, oh, I know how it escalated. He goes, well, that's not enough. He, he was all mad too, angry tone. And I said, all right, I'll next time I'll tip more, but you don't have to be such an asshole. And, uh, he, then he told me to go myself. And then I said, I hope you can die. <laughs> And he's like, oh, you. And I was like, 
you, buddy. Me. It's not you. me. It's you. Yeah. <laughs> the story I, sounds made up. It's true. When you came but, in and told me, I thought you were pulling my chain. No, but I like. I thought you were joshing me. At first, I was trying to be a little empathetic. I was like, well, I gave you 25%, but like, okay. Like, <laughs> Big Gus said, way to stay the high ground. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and I was like. Sure. Okay. Next time I'll tip more, but you don't have to be like such an asshole when you ask about it. Like, let's level the playing field here. A First bit. off, no, like, don't say a single word about what the person tipped. That's ridiculous. It is. Okay. I did delivery putting, driving for a while and you don't get tips from every single person. I'm going to put that to the side for a second. And let's just say he had every right to say something to me about the tip. Which he didn't. Which he did. I'm saying that. But I'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, hey, you know, as a server once, I wish I could have gone up to some tables and been like, <laughs> this is it. Like, it, I feel like you should tip me more. So I'm going to give the guy some credit for having the balls or... Vagina, whichever one you think is tougher. <laughs> to the, come the the guts. <laughs> the guts. The intestinal the gall, fortitude. To come to to say to me, hey, like I think I deserve a bigger tip because this is this is further than I thought originally it was gonna be. That escalated quickly. And so I was like, Yeah, sure, I'll think about that. But like don't be such a dick when you relay that message. You went from appreciating his service to telling them he hoped you hoped he died in a car accident oh, in yeah, like thirty seconds. Because after he after he's like told me to golf and f me, I was like, oh, we ain't playing this game, bro. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm I, not gonna stand for that. I just want everyone out there to know that if you have the opportunity, I'm doing this until Charlie receives a formal apology. <laughs> Use DoorDash's competitors. Yeah. Until. Until this situation has been resolved. I did complain about the driver, and they gave me his tip back. Now, I don't know if they took it from him. It would be <laughs> hilarious they if they did. Probably didn't. But the exact tipped amount that I gave the Dasher, they gave back to me in credits. They need so to I was like, make the whole order for free. They should. And send you a, a video apology with their CEO <laughs> crying during that time. Now, you said Let that, me see if their stock's down because of this conversation. Hold you on. You said that when you worked for Uber Eats, that they didn't tell you what the tip was until after you completed the order. No, you didn't see until about five minutes after you left the house, a little thing would pop up and, and half, say that you received the tip. And half of those were no tips. Oh, yeah. At All least the time. for the for those, yeah. But you still got paid to do the drive, right? Exactly. Like you make part of yeah. I I honestly loved and doing the delivery driving. It was like one of my favorite things I've ever done. Because you're an introvert. Because yeah. I got to sit in my car. I didn't have to talk to anyone. Could listen I got, to Norma Jean's. Got to listen to Norma Jean or I got to listen to books and not ever really have to to talk to anyone. Yeah. And I made some tips or whatever. And uh, it was fun. Take a nap in my car, you name it. So now I this took it. way longer than sixty seconds, but yeah. I think that the story was was well yeah. thought out. No, that was fun. I liked it. Guys, um, just be aware that you everyone should treat each other with respect. You're not owed anyone. You're not owed anything from anyone. You are not guaranteed to get a tip. I hope everyone knows that. Like Tips are not a guaranteed thing. That's like a because someone's being nice. Like There's no fine print that says someone has to leave you a tip. And so tipping to someone five, six bucks to bring a pizza to you is a perfectly reasonable tip. And to come out there and complain directly to the customer. Now, maybe the guy was having a bad day. 
But you don't need to make your bad day someone else's day. Everyone's got problems. And in hindsight, I said, well, maybe I could have been nicer because maybe he, like, maybe he's going through a divorce or his dad just died or something. I, I you know, I, was, I started like retroactively, but I was like, you know what? No, F like, that you, guy. No, you don't get to treat people that way. Yeah, and, and not receive any sort of backlash for it. And I, ha- I need to stand up for myself. Mm-hmm. So, you. All right, moving to a subject uh, about someone who would have handled that way better than you. Let's talk about Donald Trump real quick. Just give me the quick couple paragraphs there, Chuck. All right, from the Daily Wire. Former President Donald Trump filed a lawsuit Monday seeking a detailed inventory and audit of the items seized in the FBI's raid on Mar-a-Lago earlier this month. Now, I thought they have to leave exactly what they took. They Anyway. Uh, there's a receipt. Mm-hmm. I guess. Trump's lawsuit requests the appointment of a special master to audit the items confiscated by the FBI. The lawsuit also requests the return of any items taken that were outside the scope of the FBI's warrant, according to the Wall Street Journal. Now, I put this in here because there's also a story uh, from the New York Times today saying that they've got over 300 top secret documents that Trump took with him when he left. Not all in this raid, the other time when they returned some stuff previously, about 300 top secret documents. And I think Trump is starting to see that maybe this could be like a serious thing. Like they might actually pursue this. And here is my, here is my prediction. He is moving towards the, they planted evidence defense right Mm -hmm. now. And this is the beginning of it. I want a special master to audit the items. And if they don't grant that special master, well, there's some fuel for that fire right there. But even if they do grant it and they find something that is damning, he can say, I didn't have that. They put that in the box. And yes, I watched the raid on the camera, but what I didn't have was a camera Inside the guy's vans when they were driving home. I had no idea what they stuffed in those boxes mm-hmm. afterwards. And a matter of fact, there's a blind spot in my wife's closet. Trust me, because I've been wanting to get that fixed for years. <laughs> and so I'm just saying he's warming up towards this. Expect that to be the case. Well, but he wasn't the first one to propose that at all. No. I believe even Tucker Carlson. You know, Rand Paul was out there. We did the show the Rand Paul video saying, how do we know that they didn't put stuff in the boxes? And I believe Rand Paul's wanting to repeal the Espionage Act. He is, which, currently. Should, which I do think should be done. It's got a pretty terrible history. Yeah, free Snowden. Exactly. Let Snowden come back in. And Assange. Okay, so the the I think the biggest news of the day so far is that President Joseph R. Biden is making an announcement tomorrow about forgiving student loan debt federal student loan debt. It is important to make that distinction because my student loan debt will not be forgiven Mm. because it is still held privately. And that is unfortunate. That is sad for you. For me. It's fortunate for everyone else. It's unfortunate Mm. for me. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to be making this announcement. The word on the street is that it's going to be about 10 K. And I believe the other word was that he's going to extend the student loan pause, which expires like next week until just after the election, basically. (laughs) So, well, look at all I mean, these wonderful yeah. things that these guys are doing. I mean, the FDA, he directed the FDA <laughs> to put money in people's pockets mm-hmm. that, that have to get hearing aids. Literally, the FDA has to go out and take money yeah. and put it in people's pockets. Benevolently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a wonderful thing. And now he's going to give people 10K if you went to college. So that's nice, too. So before we go down this road of talking about how terrible of an idea it is, and pointing out some ridiculous tweets from Nina Turner 
because she cannot keep monopolizing Dumb Bleep of the Week. We're going to have to spread this out throughout the week. All right. But it deserves to be responded to. Uh, don't forget the $100 a month raise with the gas prices. That's right. Wow. He also gave us a $100 a month raise he, from Putin's price hike. He gave us a $100 a month raise, That's right. which is really nice of him to do that. Yeah. And we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go in the way back machine real quick to, to talk about how this problem happened. We're going to time travel here. We're time traveling back to 2009. Ot nine. And we're going to get on the New York Times' website in 2009. And we're going to talk about this bill that passed the House to expand college aid called the Student Aid and Fiscal Responsibility Act of 2009. Now, this bill specifically, I believe, did not get through the Senate. It didn't make it over the 60 votes. It was then rolled into Obamacare. This thing that has created $1.7 to $1.9 trillion of student loan debt was just rolled into the Obamacare vote. So that's awesome. The good news is it's going to save us money. Yeah. That's nice. So let's just see what they had to say. The House of Representatives on Thursday passed legislation that expands federal aid to college students while ending federal subsidies to private lenders. And when you say Thursday, we're talking about Thursday, September, September of 2009. September 18th, 2009 uh, was the date from this. By shifting to direct federal lending, the Obama administration said it would save more than $80 billion over 10 years. Save. Save. Not that this was going to cost the government more money, but that this shift was in fact going to save the government $80 billion, which would go into higher Pell Grant. Now, they're not going to just return that to the Treasury. They're going to turn that into higher Pell Grants for low-income students, new investments in community college, early childhood programs, and other education efforts. Quote, this legislation provides students and families with the single largest investment in federal student aid ever and represented said representative george miller democrat of california and chairman of the house education and labor committee who wrote the bill today the house made clear a clear choice to stop funneling vital taxpayer dollars through boardrooms and start sending them directly to dorm rooms <laughs> oh whoever wrote that Good job. They've been good. They're they're good about this stuff. And what they have been doing since 1965 was in 1965, they started subsidizing student loans. Now, they weren't government student loans. What they were doing was subsidizing the actual loans from the banks so the banks could offer lower or more stable interest rates. And they have been doing that. And more money. Since 1965. Yes. And so that's that's really where the start of this problem happened. And to take the risk off the banks. Of because course, they are, guarantee the loans. These are uncollateralized. Yeah, they, they did guarantee the loans yes. in doing that. Under the current program, the government pays subsidies to lenders and guarantees the loan. Oh, I could have just kept reading. Right all, there. All colleges would be required to convert the federal direct loan program by July 1st, 2010. Advocates for students were delighted with the passage of the legislation. Quote, This legislation helps renew the promise of student aid programs for the tens of millions of students who rely on grants, loans, and access to community college to achieve college education. Quote, also, families and students who rely on federal student aid need to know that Congress sides with them and not the big banks. Senator Tom Harkin, Democrat of Iowa. Quote, again, the federal government has been subsidizing these banks and wasting taxpayer money for far too long. It's time to end it. Democrats said that now 
the reason we're reading from the Wayback Machine is that you need to realize that we get the same kind of propaganda right now about stuff that's going to be in the future. Mm -hmm. The same propaganda style about how they were going to save money and when they go direct and that that's going to be better for everyone and we're, everyone's going to be able to have this college education. It's going to be better for the whole country, better for minorities, all this kind of stuff. They're on the side of the of the people in the dorms. And against the big banks who have mm -hmm. been just holding this debt over the heads of all of these terrible, terrible, terribly victimized people, of course, and the government's going to fix the problem. Democrats said the student loan legislation would save enough to finance the new programs but that's not all. It's still going to leave $10 billion extra to return to the Treasury. While Republicans called the legislation a massive entitlement spending spree and said that it would add to the deficit, not reduce it. Quote, today's vote was about expanding the size and scope of the federal government through tens of billions of dollars in new entitlement spending and the elimination of choice, competition, and the innovation of the private sector. Mr. Klein said... This job-killing legislation is rife with hidden costs that will be passed on to future generations, Representative John Klein of Minnesota said about that bill. All right. Now, what actually happened? They saved In the money. last 12 years. Everyone was able to go to college, and they spent less money, and everything ended up fine. Yeah. And the department... Everything of, ended up fine. The Department of Education's budget went down. They returned the money back to the Treasury mm -hmm. so that we could spend that money on people. Reduce, this was actually a deficit reduction bill. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what happened. Well, let's fast forward to right now, Charlie. How about we fast forward to that? All right. From the WAPO, Biden nears a decision on canceling $10,000 in student loans as, uh, as allies feud. Uh, the Biden administration. I actually, I messed up on this. This is not a Washington Post article. This is a Business Insider article. Oh. I I apologize. This is from Business Insider. This is from Business yeah. Insider, and the title is Biden's Student Loan Debt Forgiveness Would Cost $300 billion, report says less than half of the defense budget. That's so very, you important, know. very important for the title of the article. Yes. <laughs> They're reportedly going to cancel $10,000 in student debt for some borrowers. Some. Mm -hmm. The announcement targeted at borrowers making under $125,000 could come on Wednesday. So if you're a doctor with half a million dollars in student loans, you don't get that 10K off mm. there. A new estimate from the Wharton School finds forgiveness could cost $300 billion this year because we have enough money. We have extra money from that inflation reduction. That's right. Yeah. The price of the student loan forgiveness pales in comparison to other major federal expenditures. Defense spending is projected to cost nearly $8.7 trillion over the next decade, according to the Congressional Budget Office, and will cost $796 billion in 2022 alone. All right. Now, that's a lot of money. And they want to point this out because clearly the job of the media is to carry water for the presidential administration, depending mm -hmm. on who it is that's in power. And so when they talk about what this is going to cost, they have to compare it to other things that we pay for and what those cost to try and make it <coughs> sound as good as they possibly can. Now, do we pay too much for our defense? I think that that is a very real possibility. Mm -hmm. Now, since we pay too much for our defense, does that mean that we should also just pay for a bunch of other stuff too? It makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. The like, idea is since we pay so much for this over here, well, then we must be able to pay for all this over here. Yeah. 
It's like with your house budget, you know, when you're budgeting for your house name, mm-hmm. you're like, you're like, oh, wife, you know, we're, we're making, uh, you know, too many target runs. You know, it's, it's very expensive. We spend a thousand dollars a month at target. Yeah. So now we can just, even though we're out of money, we don't have any, we've already borrowed all that we can. We're just going to add on a $500 a month run to Sephora or something. Yeah. And then you can make the argument that, well, it costs half as much as we go to Target on. Yeah, I mean, look. So look, it's no big deal. This new car is going to cost 500 bucks a month? Well, that's that's like a, a quarter as much as what my mortgage is, so it's fine. It's, yeah, Who totally cares? fine. Yeah. Do you need to see how much money you have? No, it no. costs what it costs first off, and it's nothing in comparison to the other things that we spend money on. Why do we need to go further than that? You yeah. fascist. <laughs> Come on. The, the 300 billion is also a fraction of how much borrowers hold right now. America student loan debtors currently owe 1.7 trillion dollars. Mm. Student loans currently aren't even profitable for the government. Wait, what? They were going to save 80 billion a year now. Mm-hmm. But they're not even profitable for the government. July report for the Government Accountability Office. What the fuck did those guys do? <laughs> Nothing, clearly. <laughs> found, found that federal loans are actually projected to cost the government $197 billion instead of bringing in what the Education Department estimated as a $114 billion profit because of the various pauses and changes over the last couple of years. Just the last couple of years. Yeah. So they're losing $200 billion on the loans that they hold right now, and they probably would end up being more than that anyway, from this program that they were going to actually save $80 billion on. Not only that, they were going to make $114 billion in profit. Yeah. So that's, that's literally a $312 billion swing on top of... The three hundred billion they're going to spend with this new bill. Now, since this is their debt, technically that they, you know, that they paid for, does that mean that they're technically going to have to file bankruptcy here? Is that what they're going to do to no. get this off of their books? Mm-mm. They have to restructure, reorganize, break up the big government. You have to do that. No, separate it out into separate ticker symbols. Yeah. Anything like that? <laughs> nope. I don't think so. We'll probably just give them more money. Yeah. How about we just give them more money instead? That's probably what we're going to do. While Biden has not publicly confirmed his plans for broad student loan relief, he has said himself he will make the decision before August 31st, just, you know, a couple months before the election this Mm -hmm. year, when student loan payments are set to resume. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders recently called for Biden to cancel every single cent of student debt in this country. Cancel every single cent of student debt in this country. And groups like the NAACP are keeping pressure on Biden to cancel a minimum of $50,000 for every federal borrower. Why? Why? Quote, do it to reduce the racial wealth gap. Do it to capture the interest of many who will participate in the November election. Whoa. Do it for the future of American families and communities. The NAACP director of youth and college wisdom, Cole, uh, in college, Wisdom Cole said in a statement, this guy's name is Wisdom. <laughs> Quote, every generation will be grateful you did. Mm. 
Do it to capture the interest of many who will participate in the November election. That kind of sounds like a buying votes. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm no political scientist or anything. I'm not a lawyer, but I don't know. Kind of seems like you're buying votes. That sounds like quid quid pro um, squid bribe. pro row. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I've ever seen it. Now, what about inflation though? Remember that whole inflation reduction act thing? You know what's going on. And the other part, you know, we're talking about canceling this stuff. What, you know, the thing that they haven't talked about, and I haven't heard anyone on the left ever talk about, just like with almost everything else, people on the right aren't perfect either, of course. But I haven't heard anyone that wants to cancel this talk about how we're going to reduce the cost of college education. See, they're talking about like what you pay for it, which is not the cost of it. That's like the, the price that you're charged. That's your cost of the college education not the cost of college education, which has just continued to skyrocket and skyrocket. I was looking at some charts earlier, actually. It's funny to watch 2010, the line, which is already trending out pretty hard. It's funny to watch the line just kind of just spike up just a little bit right there in 2010, the cost of education. I wonder why that is. Does anyone know why that is? It just got more expensive name. Just, Just greed, right? Yeah. The colleges got better. They got better. They have swimming pools, like yeah. various rec centers. They have safe spaces. Rock climbing, Those are expensive. rock climbing apparatuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got skydiving. Uh, you know, canisters. Got to, got to have all that stuff when you're yeah. out there getting a degree. Yeah, for sure. It's got to be fun when you're getting that degree. Now it's you know we took a bunch of money. This started in 1965. We you took. Sh- just look at the chart from 1965. Yeah. We well, actually before, but we'll just watch watch how it changes. We started subsidizing, all right? We started putting federal money into it. A lot of people used it. And then after that, we decided, you know what we got to do? See, the cost of college is too much, and there's still a bunch of people who can't pay for college. So you know what we'll do? We'll just take the whole damn program, and we're just going to make the whole thing a federal loan. Everything after 2010. We'll do that. Cut out the middlemen. And so... Cut out the evil, greedy capitalist. Just... Someone tell me why college would get cheaper. One, tell me one incentive that is created for college to get cheaper. There's not. There's not one at all. In fact, all the incentives are in the opposite direction. And, of course, the price of college just keeps going up. But you would say that this maybe plays out the same way with, you know, the electric vehicles? That is a potential thing. What about healthcare? Uh, well, if, if we went to a Medicare for all system, mm, if the yeah. government just cut out these greedy capitalists in the middle, yeah, then clearly the cost would go down. The government would probably save money. Yeah. What about housing, though? That's where they same, where it really worked. Same thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. You see, we have all these examples time and time again when the government gets involved in something, it just gets more expensive because when you make more money available to pay for something, it gets more expensive. It's not. Well, it has to cost that you much. You don't have to have a freaking economics degree to understand this. When you get, when you just takes a, any random person on the street who goes shopping. Let's say I go shopping and, uh, you know, I went to get some sodas and I noticed Sprites were freaking $8.50 per 12 pack. And you know what I did? Scoffed at it. Nothing. I walked by them. Now you take me and you give me 10 K before I walk into the store. You think I'm going to buy the Sprite? Of course I'm going to buy the Sprite. I'm going to buy all of it. Or let's say you got a $100 Sprite ta- uh, credit incentive. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, same thing. Of course I'm going to buy You're it. You're going to buy $100 worth of Sprite. Yeah. And why would they lower the price on it? They, They're not. They wouldn't. In fact, they it, would just increase the price on it. It would be $100 per 12-pack now. <sighs> because now that money is available. Because they, they can get it. You got the money to you pay for it. You have $100 subsidy on Sprite. Um, just tell us, uh, Charlie, go through this article real quick because you had a shorter one there uh, earlier from, uh, let's see, yeah, canceling student debt would undermine the Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah. And then we're going to get into some ridiculous comments on well, this. Well, from uh, the live group here, you know, Tom says that the facilities at his daughter's school are a thousand times nicer than what he had. And that is true. I mean, if you look at colleges, they the facilities are pretty insane. Yeah. Now, but they're, see, they're doing that not to compete on an economic level, they're doing that to compete at the inflated level of what all the uh, subsidies slash federal government money is doing. So now they have to compete on different measures. Well, they have and, to attract the students to come to their place so they can charge the charge crazy them prices, whatever they want. So what does any of that do? Like, I don't know what, you know, you guys are probably going to school for different things, but could we say that her stuff was a thousand times nicer and she also came out with a thousand times better education than you did. Was she a thousand times more educated when she got out? I know these are different. You know, she's probably naturally smarter than you anyway, Tom. <laughs> and I'm just gonna, I'm not being mean to Tom. I'm trying to be nice to Tom by talking mm. nicely about his daughter. Of yes. course, I'm sure you would agree. <clears throat> yeah, see, he says she's a way better student than me. Yep. So we're not making females typically comparison. are, by the way. But none of those things make your education better. In fact, it gives you a hell of a lot more distractions from your ed your studies and your education. Mm. It's just ways to attract people to come stay at your resort for the next four years. <laughs> That's all it is. <laughs> we don't crack down on parties at all. <laughs> Do as many keg stands <laughs> as you want. Yeah, we'll provide the kegs. Okay. Continuing on here from the CRFB. Yeah, I don't remember what this is. Uh, I think it's a blog. Or no, it's not a blog, but it's some type of organization. <laughs> we know that for sure. So we've determined, I'm going to tell you the name here. Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. So they're biased fascists yeah. anyway. But. Canceling student debt would undermine Inflation Reduction Act. Now, why would that happen? The recently passed Inflation Reduction Act will reduce budget deficits by roughly $275 billion mm. while pushing fiscal policy in the right direction to assist the Federal Reserve in its fight against inflation. However, a possible announcement from the White House to offer across-the-board student debt cancellation would undermine the bill's disinflationary gains and deficit reduction. Weird how they found $300 billion to cancel student debt. It it happened that fast. <laughs> That's how long it took for them to find something else to spend that money on. Not that they would actually spend. Not that actually would actually reduce inflation. No, but they're going to put that 275 towards the deficit. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is a different 300 <laughs> exactly. that they're talking about. Simply extending the current repayment pause through the end of the year would cost $20 billion, equivalent to the total deficit reduction from the first six years of the IRA, by our rough estimates, canceling 10000 per person of student debt for households making below $300,000 a year would cost roughly $230 billion. Combined, these policies would consume nearly 10 years of deficit reduction by the Inflation Reduction Act. Debt cancellation would also wipe out the deflationary, disinflationary benefits of the IRA, Inflation Reduction Act, the CBO, Penn Wharton budget model, and Moody's Analytics all found the IRA 
would have virtually no effect on inflation in the near term at the macroeconomic level. Our analysis is somewhat more optimistic since the bill's microeconomic effects and side deals related to permitting, permitting and, the, and energy explorations can put downward pressure on prices. However, debt cancellation would boost near-term inflation far more than the IRA will lower it. We previously estimated that a one-year pause could add up to 20 basis points to the personal consumption expenditure inflation rate, the PCE inflation rate, Using a similar analytical method, $10,000 of debt cancellation could add up to 15 basis points up front and create additional inflationary pressure over time. So we're just going to go ahead and wipe out any type of inflation reduction that was even projected from the Inflation Reduction Act. And then some. We get all the news stories talking about Inflation Reduction Act. And here a couple weeks later, we're literally just going to wipe it all out just gone. And why does this cause more inflation? One, here's the, here's the main thing. And this is where you start sounding cruel. When you get rid of these payments for people that they expect that sometime they'll have to pay. Now, one problem has been that they have not expected that they'll have to pay them. They've been on pause for a long time and a bunch of people just stopped paying, of course, overall. But when you remove these payments for people, then they decide that they have a lot of extra money they can go spend on a bunch of other stuff that they were going to spend a couple hundred bucks on their student loans for. Now, people like Nina Turner would say, well, you're just being cruel right now. You don't want people to have extra money to spend on things like bills and stopping their kids from starving to death in the streets. You know, And so you obviously want that to happen. But what's actually going to happen is we're just going to get more inflation. People are going to have an even harder time paying for stuff. And then we'll just complain about that later, I guess. Yeah. We'll act like this never happened. Yeah. And the whole time we're talking about this, the live group is uh, setting up a dating app inside here. <laughs> and they were talking about... So. Yeah, I've noticed that I'm not even sure we're still live. I think we're, it's just me and you talking right yeah. now. Pretty it's sure. Just, yeah. This is for the rest of the people. The live group has moved on because clearly they don't care about inflation. And none of them went to college. So they don't have any college debt. and uh, Or they were smart enough not to have college debt. So they're like, this doesn't affect me because I'm a libertarian. What's more <laughs> important is I'm going to find a, a nice girl to date. That's an important thing. It is. Tell so me what Nina, what Nina said, Charles. All right. Nina Turner tweets, canceling $10,000 in student debt when the average white borrower is $12,000 in debt, while black women hold an average <laughs> over $52,000 isn't just unacceptable. It's structural racism. <laughs> so we'll take all the white people mm -hmm. and they owe about 12,000 on average. And then we'll take just the black women and they, they and they're about 52,000. Now, from what I can tell, she just made those numbers up because I did look into all of this and I find nothing close to any of that, especially on the white borrower side. Uh, but anyway, Structural racism, Charlie. Having canceling the same amount for everyone, regardless of their race, is the very definition of structural racism. Yes. My head's going to explode. <laughs> going to happen someday on the podcast well you see nate the white people the white folks they're more privileged mm -hmm. so they had yeah. a head start and yep. they only had to borrow an average of twelve thousand dollars yeah 
You see, Black when I was women, growing up, just like you, you had the same experience, right? Mm-hmm. Growing up, you got a hard time. And I know it was tough. And like, it was stressful. Because when you got in the hard time, we had that stressful thing. You had to take a little money out of your white person bank account that is just a magically bestowed upon you. Mm. You know, so yeah, yeah, you, you didn't have anything in your regular bank account. But you've always got that extra debit card hidden inside your privilege. No, that's that not what you're able to no, pull from. Well, that's not what I did. No. No, at uh, our town square mm-hmm. had a right next to the courthouse, there was a white privilege box. <laughs> and it had like a skin scanning yeah. device on it. And if you touched it, it would scan your, your skin and check your melatonin levels. Mm. And if you had the right amount, I got you. Well, the, I guess if you had the not the right amount, the, the lower amount of melatonin. Yeah then it would allow you to open the box and then you could just get whatever you needed out of there. Yeah. That's why I saw Michael Jackson with his hand in that thing that one time. <laughs> it was an you know? endless box. Yeah. By the way, just endless white privilege. I money. pulled out a house mm-hmm. out of there, you know, to replace my trailer I was living in. <laughs> and, uh, it was impressive. Okay. Well, I would just want to, uh, yeah. So that's ridiculous. Nina, for sure. Like almost everything else she says. Now I found this is just from a random source, but like the federal reserve. Okay. Let me just look what the federal reserve says. Like, that's accurate. What's the breakdown of student loan debt by race? Um, black, we got 44,000. Hispanic, 38,000. White, we got 40,000. And other, we have 40,000. Now, Alien. she's. Those are aliens. She said white people had 12,000. I don't know where exactly that comes from. Now, she did say black women specifically. So you'd have to get that breakdown. Um, I, I do have to pose this problem because there are plenty of articles, plenty of people out there saying that. There is a disproportionate effect with student loans on black people. And I have I w- will preface the rest of these stats by saying I have no idea why. And if anyone has any serious and honest ideas why, then let me know. But there is some massive disproportionality <laughs> going on <laughs> with these numbers that we look at right now, like the percent of adults with student loan debt by race. Uh, We have 14% Hispanic. We got 20% white, 24% other races and 30.2% black. So we see that actually 50% higher rate for blacks than whites with student loan debt. That's obviously obvious because white people start with enough money automatically in their bank account. Yeah. They have that box to pay, to pay off stuff. Mm -hmm. Average federal student loan amount <clears throat> for people who complete their degrees. Now, what was interesting on this one, once again, I'm not, I have no idea why this is the case. And people can let me know. That would be great. Send me an email, nativegoodmorningliberty.us. I'm honestly, uh, I'm curious. Pretty much all of the races they have on this list are right around the $25,000 mark. This is the federal student loan amount for bachelor's degree completers, people who finished, all around 25000 for black people, it's 32000 You literally see, if you're not watching the video, all these bars that are lined up pretty close to one another, and then the black bar is up way higher than all the others. And this is for people who complete their degrees. Just saying. I don't I know why. S- I have some ideas. You have some? Yeah, I well, mean... Well, let, let me roll through the rest of them, and then we'll go okay. over the, why this is the case. Average student loan amount borrowed by race and gender. And we have uh, black here, it says 35 thousand uh for men 37,000 for women still don't know exactly where Nina Turner got those numbers 
Um, white men, 29,000. White women, 31,000. And those are the top two right there. Percent of people age 18 to 39 who paid off their student loans. So these are people that went to college way back when. Who paid off their student loans. 52% Asian paid off. They ain't people messing who, around. They just pay it right off. People who paid off their student loans. We're at 52% were Asian borrowers. we got 32%. Now, this is of those demographics. It has to be because the numbers don't add up. So 52% of the Asian borrowers, 32% of the white borrowers, 23% of Hispanic borrowers, and 11% of black borrowers. And so you see how easy it is to make this case that we live inside of some type of systematic racist society. How can this be so consistent? And I'm actually asking because it, this is literally the case. The more you go through this, uh, the race of people who went to college in the year 2003 who defaulted on their student loans. Uh, Asian, 6% defaulted on student loans. White, 12%. The average was 17.1%. Hispanic was 20%. Black, 37.5%. Yeah, much again, higher. Much higher than all the others. Percent of students who took out private loans and whether or not they actually repaid those loans, the repayment outcomes, so the percent of those that are in non-repayment right now, 17% of the loans by white people, 6.7% of those uh, 6.7% are in non-repayment. 12.8% um, for Hispanic and 15.3%, I guess that's of the total number of the loans, are in non-repayment. And uh, black, you've got 7.5%, that's the percent who use private loans, and 265 in non-repayment due to economic hardship. Mm. So once again, you can see how easy it is to make this case like what Nina Turner is making. But what, like, are there rules that say, like, oh, you're black? Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. I do a lot of things to take care of my mind. For a while there, it wasn't something that I ever thought about. I thought I could just go through life and not ever think about my mental health, whether or not I was too stressed out, whether or not I was burnt out, whether or not there were things that I could actually solve. But if you think about it, you're only going to get this one mind, this one brain, and you should really take good care of it in the same way that you would take care of your car if you were going to have to use it for the rest of your life. Don't waste any of your time being upset, angry, depressed, anxious, burnout, stressed out, when there could be something you could do to actually fix it. There's a lot of things you can do, by the way. You could take some naps if you want to. You can take some time off, take a vacation. But there's also BetterHelp online therapy. So therapy is something I've done. Charlie uses BetterHelp still. He's been using it for over a year now. So if there's something that you need to talk to someone about, you could use BetterHelp. Now BetterHelp is an online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on the camera if you don't want to. It's a lot more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. And our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash GML. That's betterhelp.com slash GML. I want to tell you guys about a sponsor for the show, which is the Expat Money Show from our good friend, Mikkel Thorup. 
Listen, becoming an expat, that is a difficult decision. But for those of you that are in any way on the fence about this, you're curious about it, you wonder about the logistics of it, hands down, Expat Money Show is the best place to go to hear all of the advice, all of the strategy on how to do this. You're going to learn all about precious metals, uh, how to store your money best way possible. You're going to learn about cool things like how to legally avoid paying taxes, getting passports so you can travel all around the world, how to actually protect the assets that you have from some of these tyrannical governments. And by the way, there is an expat online money summit, the expat money summit that is coming up in November. And yes, it is going to have the one and only Ron Paul speaking. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but I tell you what, Mikkel, he knows exactly what to do because he has been living this life. He's not just a guy that's out there talking about this thing that you can do. He's literally living it on a daily basis. He knows everything there is to know about becoming an expat. So go to the expat money show, listen to that podcast and also go sign up for the free expat money summit coming up in November. Once again, go to the expat money show on all of your podcast apps and go to the link in the show notes. So you can sign up for the free online expat money summit. Now, I think what does, well, I think there's a few contributing factors. One, I'll start with um, affirmative action which is you have to have a certain number of black students at your college. So that means even your more expensive ones, Harvard and other ones that they may not, that they may not otherwise get into academically. They are getting into because of affirmative action. So therefore they're, those are those. Might have people who otherwise would have said, well, I can't, I'm not going to pay, be able to pay for this anyway, but they end up going somewhere where they, they would have chosen to go somewhere else is what you're saying. Yes. Something like that. And then I do think that they, that, because of the statistics, um, the data on fatherless homes in the black community yeah. is off the charts, which leads to more government dependence, which leads to, uh, I would think, starting further behind. But but see, I think, I think that in some of these communities, they do start further behind, but it's not for the reasons they think it is. It's not because someone's actually holding them, holding them down. No, no. It's because of their maybe youth. past problems in in past. Yes, uh, of course. But there, but but I would say that the the policies that we talk about, the all the welfare and everything, keep people back. There's no incentive whatsoever to make a better life for yourself because you're always going to be held back, and and so now you just have to depend on those types of things, and then. I think that that is, those are, could be some things that are a contributing factor. Yeah. Among probably some racism. It's some, I just don't know what the structural racism is. I mean, you would literally have to have coded in like this person's black. We're going to charge them more mm-hmm. and like get a higher percentage. It really just boils down to economics more than likely. And the fact that a uh, higher proportion of people who are uh, black are in the worst economic circumstance than people that are white. And we can take that all the way but back. But largely to the, because of government <clears throat> programs. Yeah, I mean, I, Bailey's asked me if I finished Thomas Sowell's newest book. I haven't. I need. Mm-hmm. I need to read that. But Thomas Sowell talks a lot about this. Mm-hmm. He talks a lot about how the government programs actually hold black people back. He talks it about makes these life more expensive for them. Soft bigotry of low expectations. Is that what he? Is that him that yeah. says that? I think. Yes, I think so. But uh, and that's literally what he talks about. Yeah. I, yeah, I would imagine so. I do want to read the the latest one, but he's talked about this many times. 
um, that I've read in other books of his, as well as what, it, what he talks about in interviews, um, it, like these types of things, like, I mean, just look at government schools, for instance, you know, when you, when you bring in the, the, these government programs, the data shows that black people do worse Yeah, and they continue to do worse. And the, the fatherlessness, I mean, I believe even, uh, who's the guy who ran for governor in California? Um, Larry Elder. Larry Elder talks about this. I mean, I want to say you're, it's four times, four or five times more likely to not have a father in the home uh, if you're black than if you're any other race. What I would it's, wonder, it's, what I would like to see is because the percentages of the population on welfare are higher, what I would like to see is if a lot of the people <clears throat> who have made some of these bad decisions on these loans are also people who grew up on welfare as well. And what I'm wondering is if there is uh, this incentive structure that hasn't exactly been a major part of your life, which is that you got to make the absolute best financial decisions possible. And instead, you be. I'm not saying there's just black people on welfare. Statistically, proportionally with the population is higher. All right. Well, and how many of the other races correlate to the same thing? Yeah. Right? I mean, not, the, overall, the white the people who are defaulting are the. Do they also come from welfare? I think there's so many people who have been on welfare at some point in time. It'd be hard to track. But yeah. what I just wonder is if, if that planning, that financial decision making, what you've seen is that, and not this these lessons of personal responsibility, not the lessons of if you want it, you got to have it. And I wonder if that creates that little bit of statistical skew right there. And then you got racism that has of course been left over i do think that a lot of this are repercussions from the past racist behavior that we had obviously it's better if your parents also went to college and had good jobs and it's better if their parents also went to college and had good jobs that does set you up better for success in the future and that's obviously lower when you have people who literally weren't allowed to go do those things so clearly you're going to have a higher percentage of that in the population but that doesn't make up well, for the fact where you are at right now. We don't have that. You're talking the two people who grew up very poor. And the idea is that you got to get out there and get it. And it, who cares if your family's poor? If you want something, you got to go get it. And what I, what I worry about is this is the welfare system taking away that personality from the people who grow up on it. Well, it absolutely does. Yeah. I think the stats are clear on that. Not only that, but even generational wealth. Mm -hmm. There's a reason that like 90% of generational wealth is squandered by the third generation. We were, I was talking about this with some other dads not that long ago is like, you know, of course, like I want to give my kid everything I didn't have growing up, but at the same time, how do I still like, how do I instill the same values? you got because, a problem that not many people are dealing with, which is you're so filthy rich that yeah. your kid is not going to know what I it's like. I mean, you like. saw my house yesterday. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I didn't even get to see the whole thing. We didn't have time. <laughs> and and so your kid's going to grow up so filthy rich. Like, how do you put those values in it? Like, he's just going to expect everything. He never had yeah. to think about what something cost. You know? You I should buy, put... You want a Tesla, Parker? Sure. I should have. I should put a trailer on the property and yeah, stick them in there. Make him live in it. <laughs> yeah. 
and then have a pond and Give make him, him a go trailer get some water. With a yard to push mow <laughs> that he's got to take care of that place. Don't even have anyone live in there or anything. Yeah. Just, you know, there's just this trailer that he has to take care of. <laughs> be a good idea. And when it's that storming, to, that you make him go in the trailer while it's storming. Yeah. Because that'll teach you some stuff about weather, man. It will. Yeah. Yeah. You learn a lot. thing lift up a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Shaking. Oh, well, uh, I was curious, though, because it is a big problem because I think, well, one of the things is, is like the way that we're built to, you know, to solve problems is that you like these neural, like the neural pathways, like the proteins are actually coded as you go through these experiences. But the thing about it is, is like, if you don't experience, do you actually ever really learn? Because the truth of the matter is sometimes you don't, you can, I think you can read about something, you can hear other people talk about it, all of those things. But until you actually live the experience, you, sometimes you don't actually learn what, what actually happens. And so I think you should give away all your money and just live super poor. So I think statistically it's proven that if you, uh, these types of incentive-less, incentive-less types of things do affect humans in that manner. Human beings run on incentives. Yeah. And those programs create the wrong incentive structure Mm -hmm. for sure. The incentive has to be that if you want something, you got to get it. And that's not what it sets up at all. It sets up that if you want something, it's someone else's job to provide it for you. Well, it's owed to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's owed to you. That's what's set up right now. Everything's owed to you. Gas, food, education, housing. Healthcare. Yeah. You're human and you're owed it. There's not a single thing that someone else doesn't owe you other than a, especially a tip. All right. You see how <laughs> it came full circle yeah, right there. Let's exactly. go home. Everyone deserves at least just the tip. All right. <laughs> All right, y'all, if you enjoyed today's episode, please hit that follow button. Make sure you share the show with a friend, a family member, a foe. Leave us a rating and review. Go to GodHatesFeds.com. That's GodHatesFeds.com. Pick up your merch and uh, make sure you go to JoinGML.com as well while you're at it. If you're going to be on the internet, there you can have two tabs open. One, GodHatesFeds.com, and the other one, JoinGML.com. Join the live group. Get you some merch. Support the movement. If you do all those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing.